I'm Chanae Ogumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Blue Wire. Three on the way! Yes! Paul George nails it! For the win! Hello and welcome to Dunkton Discourse, episode 54, or your Kwame Brown edition. Big time Kwame fans here. Uh, I am Jabari Davis, and I'm really happy to be joined by the lead Lakers writer for Bleacher Report, co-host of the Hollywood Hoops podcast, and an official capologist contributor for NBA TV and Basketball Insiders, Eric Pincus today. But before we get started, as usual, remember to rate, subscribe, and leave a quick review for the show if you happen to like the show. All right, Sir Pincus, thank you so much for joining Dunson Discourse today. Of course. Thanks for having me. No, no doubt, no doubt. So, uh, for the listener's sake, Eric and I go back um, basically in that he's really dope at what he's been doing for, if I'm not, you know, at least, what, like 20 years or so? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's subjective. It's a, it's a matter of opinion, but I've been doing this for a while. Uh, let's just say uh, my first year in the building at Staples Center was uh, the Carl Malone year with the Lakers. If if you believe that Carl Malone was actually a Laker, never know, some Laker fans uh, have decided that never happened, so... Uh, but around that time, absolutely never took place. Well, I, I I mentioned that because you know I'm not just being um you know being kind to the guests you know like as y'all know I'm you know straightforward. Eric is a very kind and gracious folk uh, individual, and when I tried to st- when I tried to start doing what he did about you know about eight years ago, he you know he was awesome and he remains a great guy. So I appreciate you joining us. Let's go ahead and jump into some of the latest news, uh, the coaching news, at least, uh, where it was reported uh, a bit earlier in the week, excuse me, that Stan Van Gundy has agreed to a multi-year deal with uh, to coach the New Orleans Pelicans. I'm interested in your thoughts on Van Gundy's fit with the principal characters on that roster and whether you think they wind up ultimately moving, you know, moving Drew, as has been rumored. Yeah, that's a tough one. That's one I'm actually working on uh, as far as research and oh. trying to see if there's anybody I can find who can shed some light on they're thinking because if you look at it it doesn't really make sense where they're where they're going we'll, we'll just touch Stan Van Gundy is, is a good coach uh, I don't think he did a great job running the Pistons as an executive I think it's a very different job being a basketball executive versus being a coach and being a coach is where he belongs uh, I enjoyed his his broadcasts I've always thought he was a pretty straightforward guy uh, there's a certain amount of retreads where guys get new jobs when um, I'd like to see others get chances. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think Van Gundy it was is definitely worth another look. I mean, certainly Frank Vogel was, right? So Clearly. Uh, I have no problem with uh, Stan getting that job. Uh, but the future of the Pelicans is confusing to me because their core is awfully young. Uh, you've got Zion, who's just fresh out of school. Uh, you've got Ingram, who's an all-star, who's going to get probably paid a decent chunk of money this year, this summer or off season or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. uh, to the tune of at least 20, if not if not higher, if not near max. Let, let's just pay, pencil in 22 to $25 million. That's a lot of okay. money per year. I don't know. Maybe they get a discount, but I doubt it. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's an all-star starter. 
Uh, you've got Lonzo Ball, who's up for an extension this offseason. He can, uh, you know, before the start of the season, whenever that is, whether it's December or whatever, January, whenever it happens, uh, there's going to be a deadline, and he can get paid, and Josh Hart can get paid, and uh, they have other key young players uh, like Nikel Alexander-Walker and Jackson Hayes, and so it's a question of uh, how young is this team going to be? Are, are some of these other young pieces uh, eventually being developed to be traded and this team is going to start to try to win or are they uh, are they win now or are they win in two three years because Drew Holiday is already 30 Mm -hmm. and he needs an extension that's where he's at right now so he's under contract for next season at about 26 million Uh, depends on certain uh, he's got some incentives the exact number is, is complicated but roughly 26 million and then the next year he has a 27 million dollar option if he opts out of that and extends, uh, are you paying him until he's 34, 35 years old? Uh, and is he the kind of guy who's going to be able to really be productive? That That's tough. Guards tend to fall off around 30 or mm-hmm. 31, 32. He's, you know, Chris Paul is off of one of his best seasons, so it's not <laughs> a, a rule. But they have to decide what, what they're going to do for their future because it, can they pay Drew – when he's five, six, seven years older than the core, and is he going to be winding down when the rest of the crew is just getting ready to be uh, competitive at the highest level? And I, I don't think David Griffin is, is in a rush. He just got the job uh, mm-hmm. last year, had, had the freedom to trade Anthony Davis and to build this thing quickly, slowly, whatever they can do. So there's not a lot of pressure to just suddenly push it. They, they should be trying to make the playoffs, but I don't know if they should feel like they're uh, on par with the best teams in the league. So uh, paying Drew, I think, is a very diff- difficult decision because he is such a likable guy. He is such a great professional. He is such a a good basketball player, uh, and he wants to be there. At least that's the intel that I have. But if they can't come to terms on their future, the, the Pelicans have to make really serious decisions about their future. I don't think Stan Van Gundy's coming there thinking, okay, they're going to trade Drew. That's probably not... Mm-hmm. what he would want but he's not in charge right he's the coach and it's up to the front office to make those decisions and if they're going to invest in lonzo let lonzo be lonzo at least he's the same age group as everybody else on that roster yeah without a doubt and you know it's it's interesting because you know i was all excited about last you know about coming into last year with the mix that they had there but the more i looked at it you know kind of like you the parts you know didn't necessarily fit because you had a bunch of young guys, but then they also brought in you know JJ Redick. They brought in you know you know Derek Favors. They brought in you know, like some vets that you know I guess you know from a strategy standpoint you know you you obviously have to have vets there, but those are usually you know those particular guys are more like you know what I would expect from a win now attitude. Um, you know, so like I, and bringing it back to you know moving forward, what do you anticipate from year two Zion? And, and the reason why I specify I'm channel or excuse me I'm specifying him is. Do you think he's ultimately going to have to, you know, come in a bit leaner or at least try to in order to at least try to avoid some of that wear and tear on his body? I mean, you would think it, you would think so, but I mean, there are guys who are bigger who have done really well. Uh, mm-hmm. Julius Randle had that first injury when he was uh, a rookie, but after that he was pretty he's been pretty good as far as health. Uh, and he's a bigger guy on on not such a a taller frame, right? These guys mm-hmm. are like closer to 6'8" Uh, and pushing high 250s, maybe, you know, I don't know what exactly Zion weighs. Uh, It's definitely a concern, and they're going to have to make sure that he's in in the best shape possible so he can be 
what he's supposed to be. And, and clearly, he's a really special player. And I don't like if you're paying JJ Redick 13 million next season. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. It, it's when we start getting to the next two, three, four, or five years. JJ is probably not going to be there in 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 any sort of important role when this team is trying to win a championship. Now they may never get there. We you know who knows. Uh, But I don't know. You know, Drew is. You know, it's there's two issues for Drew is that he can opt out, and so if you trade him somewhere he doesn't want to be, that's a problem. You're not going to get value there if, if he indicates that team that he doesn't want to be there. So he can kind of direct where he wants to go, but he does have a positive relationship. There aren't a ton of teams that need point guards, but I think um, because he can play multiple positions, one, two, and even to a degree he can guard the three, that any contending team would make room in their backcourt. I mean, seriously, the Bucks, the Lakers, the Warriors, um, who, you know, whoever, whomever. The, mm-hmm. I'm sure the Rockets would make room. Everybody, and I'm not saying those teams can do that, or have sure. the means to do that. I'm just saying, if you can get Drew Holiday, it's different if it was like Eric Bledsoe, for instance, right? Mm-hmm. Like, let's say the 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 Bucks wanted to get Drew Holiday and they had to trade Eric Bledsoe to make that happen. And, and if you look team by team, it's kind of hard to find a place where Eric, where a team needs Eric Bledsoe at that money, at like 18 million a year. Uh, but Holiday at 25 million, if if they can fit it in, I think any of these contenders would happily go for them. So. Uh, from that perspective, the Pelicans might be able to get some really interesting uh, return, but it has to be just right. Uh, or they could say, All right, you know, having these good veterans around these young players is a great influence, and I'm sure they're weighing that as well because uh, that's how Lonzo's going to learn how to be a good player. Uh, that's how, uh, for, for someone like uh, Zion to play with Drew, I mean, that's that's a, a good thing. That's not a, that's not a negative to be playing with a great player or a great professional uh, so I'm curious to see where they go. I just think they've got a great opportunity to deal with him now. And if you give him a big big money extension and he starts to drop off, now you could be tied into money that you can't really afford because the team is so young, you're invested in the wrong place. You know, without a doubt. So I've seen you make predictions on the timeline before, whether it's a, you know, whether it's a game result or a player or whatnot. Where's your gut instinct tell you he winds up? That's a tough one. I, I don't feel like I'm there yet, and, and I'm okay. still doing the research. You know, the, there are times where things open up. Uh, like, it, it, for instance, if you were asking me about Eric Bledsoe, I, I could at least narrow it down to two, three teams and say, you know, maybe Detroit does something crazy, even though they shouldn't. But you could see, like, the teams that don't have point guards who might be willing to pay that amount for a starting point guard. I could argue, I don't, I don't think it would be a good move for the Clippers, but I can argue at least – you know, okay, fine, Eric Bledsoe to the Clippers. I can make that argument. Mm-hmm. Uh, Holiday, there's so many good teams that would go cra- I mean, if the Heat could get Drew Holiday, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think they would do Tyler Hero, but, I mean, you'd have to be tempted to consider it uh, mm-hmm. because you're you're basically going from a young kid who is a big-time scorer but is not a defender uh, to a, a finished product that you know can help you win right now. And I, I think Miami's trying to do both. I think they're trying to keep all their young guys and add – really high level veterans one or two you know, top tier guys if they can get a max guy then they'll do it but i, I think they're greedy in, in all the right ways mm-hmm. uh because they they have i think the room to be patient uh whereas some other teams don't so you know it, we'll, we'll have to wait and see i don't have a if i feel really confident about a pick i'll make it um, mm-hmm. but i think that the field for drew is pretty wide at this point uh and i don't even know if the pelicans are ready to make that move uh 
and we could end up in a multi-team thing. I mean, there's this is the sort of thing where it's a big enough contract that you might have to bring another team in. I mean, if it was the Bucks, right, someone else would have to get Bledsoe. Uh, that would be certainly see if you're giving up Dante DiVincenzo and Eric Bledsoe and some of their filler contracts. Mm-hmm. That would that might work, and they have a pick in this draft. Uh, the Bucks do. They don't have a lot of future picks, but um, if you if you could get Dante DiVincenzo and then maybe some other nice pieces over to the Pelicans, and another team could get uh, Eric Bledsoe, you might be in business. But you know, this is it's just talk at this point. I don't I don't have enough in, intel on this to say like this is what I think is going to happen. No, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. I, you know, I always try to put you on the spot at least once <laughs> you, during these conversations. Uh, before we move on, do you think Ingram and Zion are appearing, you know, for the future, at least in terms of their you know, the fit of their games as they continue to develop? Well, they're that's a tough one. They're they're not like necessarily like ideal or perfect uh, for each other, uh, but what you've got in Ingram is a guy who's a really good attacker off the dribble into the mid-range. Uh, he, he's developing like an old-school game similar to what KD does, a little mm-hmm. bit of what we saw AD do with the Lakers where he really wants to feast in those middle grounds where Kawhi Leonard feasts as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we're finding that the best players, all the talk of the, the analytics movement of layups, dunks, free throws, threes, which makes a lot of sense, is kind of thrown out the window when everybody homogenizes and does the exact same thing. And then you have a few scorers who are so good that it is efficient for them to shoot mid-range shots like Durant, like AD, mm-hmm. like Kawhi. And I think Ingram is showing that that's an area he can he can thrive in, but also he's grown as a three-point shooter. So if he can be a, a steady, consistent three-shooter, three then he fits in a little bit better with Zion because Zion is going to take up space inside. Uh, he shouldn't be on the perimeter. I mean, to a degree he should, like all players, to a degree you got to fit in wherever. Uh, but he's someone who should be playing as close to the basket and trying to overpower people because he's just so strong and so skilled. Uh, you know, similar, like you don't want Joel Embiid camping out shooting threes all the time when he's got a physical advantage. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're, I think it can work. I think they do need a distributor on this team, and you do have that with Lonzo and Drew. Uh, surprisingly, this, this team was not great defensively. Uh, some of that is probably Zion being a baby. Mm-hmm. Some of it is that Ingram needs to improve defensively, and other players do as well. Uh, but they have like the makings of what could be a great team. They're just not quite mature enough yet to understand what it takes to win and, and how valuable every possession is down the stretch of ball games. You know, one of the things that I can appreciate about them hiring Stan Van Gundy is you, you don't anticipate them blowing him out of there anytime soon. So, you know, while I, I, I wouldn't anticipate him being willing to wait, you know, three, four years for this thing to you know come together, uh, I, I, I agree with you. I think patience will be the virtue there, specifically you know, with with those younger guys. Part of me does wonder whether you can you, you're ultimately going to get the best from Ingram and Zion. You know, given how Bi really excelled, you know, as a feature guy, um, while obviously there's a desire to maximize you know Zion's impact when he's on the court. Uh, but I, admittedly, I am very excited to see what Stan Van can do with a competent GM like you know Griffin setting the table for him. Yeah, I mean they're they're in a good place. Uh, ownership in the past, I don't think they prioritized uh, the NBA over what, what this is the same ownership mm-hmm. uh, of of the Saints, right? So yeah. I think they'd put more effort and resource into football, and I think they see that they've got a really valuable asset here and something they could do something special with. 
and uh, I'm, I'm excited for them. I know Griffin pretty well. We worked on uh, some programs together on NBA TV, and, mm-hmm. and I have a lot of respect for him. And uh, he learned a lot, I think, during the Cavalier stretch mm-hmm. uh, with uh, LeBron James and all that. And he has a, a background with Phoenix and the Suns during some of their best times. So he, he, he knows what he's doing. Uh, he's got a, a, a good starting point with draft picks and, and really good young players. So I'm, I'm curious to see. You know, he's got a big decision right now with – uh, Drew and Lonzo. Those are the pressing decisions because Lonzo has to be made before the season starts. And uh, Drew, they do have some time, but you only have so much time. And it's hard to move a player making $26 million at the deadline mm-hmm. uh, just from a contract point of view and from roster space. Those, that, that's much easier to do uh, before a season or after a season. So they're they're kind of in it. Uh, and, and in that moment where they have to make some tough choices, they, favors as a free agent, uh, do you pay him to stay? How much do you pay Ingram to stay? And what is missing from this team? So uh, I think Griffin is, you know, Griff is in, in a good place. I think uh, they'll they'll navigate through, and they got a nice coach, so they'll, they'll be fine. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. All right, so keeping it with that same topic, but but actually transitioning to the Clippers, you know, they finally reportedly agreed to terms with Ty Lue, which I figured would be the direction they went. You know, as I was intrigued to see what he can do, you know, in that capacity with this specific group. Do you think they hired the right guy for this particular mix? And do you anticipate them making yet another sizable swing at shaking up their roster once again this offseason? Well, there aren't there. When, when you fire a coach, you, in theory, should have the replacement lined up. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they really did. Uh, but Lou is, is someone who has a championship. And he's in a position where, uh, I mean, when you win with LeBron... LeBron gets a lot of that credit. Yeah. Like how much is Frank Vogel one of the best coaches in the league? And how much is it that uh, the Lakers had LeBron in AD? <laughs> and and it, there's, it's very hard to single that out. And there's a lot of folks who will wonder you know, how great was Phil Jackson, given that he always had Michael and Kobe and Shaq. Mm-hmm. Or were Michael, Kobe, and Shaq that great because of the coach? I think anyone would argue who knows basketball that those guys were absolutely elite. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Shaq couldn't win until Phil and all that. How much of the credit do you give to uh, LeBron and how much do you give to Lou? Uh, and so that's really, you know, I, in coaching circles, Lou is well-respected. I think he's a good coach. Uh, I think that the Clippers have some issues that are roster-based. I, I think that also Doc uh, didn't really get them to where they needed to be, and some of that's roster and some of that's, you know, there's a history of Doc losing 3-1 leads that mm-hmm. is on his record, and it's not a fluke. Uh, I'm thrilled that he got a new job right away because uh, I have a lot of respect for him as a man mm-hmm. and as a human being. Uh, but I, I think it had run his course. Uh, he had run his course in, in, in L.A. with the Clippers. They had hit a, hit a wall they couldn't break through, and they should have broke through, and they didn't. And uh, whoever you want to blame, it's going to fall on the coach. So now that's the question. Where do you go from here? And, and you bring in Lou. Uh, and I think that he's probably the best coach that was available. He's certainly the only one really who is available who had a ring mm-hmm. uh, and that kind of experience. So uh, he's been there. He's been to the highest levels. He's won there. Uh, but the roster definitely has some questions. Notably, and this is something that I, when it was, you, know, you asked for my predictions like mm-hmm. uh, about Drew, my predictions way before the playoffs once I saw that the Lakers had figured out the Clippers, I was like, okay, they're going to attack Lou 
Williams every time he's on the floor mm-hmm. uh, on switches. They're going to make him switch, and if they don't switch, they're going to beat them in other ways. Uh, and it's going to take Montrezl Harrell's value away because he's so dependent on Lou. That second unit was brilliant, uh, but if, if you're playing those second unit guys up against LeBron and AD end game, it's going to be problematic. And if you take away those two guys because uh, of their they're not great defenders, Montrez gets a lot of uh, a lot of uh, block. Uh, rather, a lot, he takes a lot of charges, but he's not a shot blocker, and and he's physical for someone like AD, but he's not big. Uh, and Lou is not a good defender. And so now you take off those guys and you're basically Paul George and Kawhi without a point guard. Beverly's not a point guard. No. Uh, and so they don't have that initiation. You don't have those additional scores. So now you're relying on help that, yeah, when they're flowing and they have all their offensive weapons clicking, they're great. But uh, really when you get to the playoffs, it's about getting stops at key times. And they couldn't get stops against uh, Jokic to save their life. And uh, Jamal Murray was really good. And, Mm-hmm. And here we are, and and you saw what the Clippers, uh, what the Lakers did, which was get to five games and shut that thing down. So uh, I don't know the answer. Uh, I think they need to bring back Marcus Morris, mm-hmm. uh, but Montrez is a tough one. Uh, it's going to depend on the market uh, because he is an undersized center, and they need to be able to play up against someone like Jokic. Uh, and I like Vita Zubats; he can play a certain amount of minutes. Uh, but they need some real size. But more more than anything else, I think they need a, a a point guard, and that's why you know I mentioned Eric Bledsoe. I don't really trust him as a point guard. That's the problem. Um, mm-hmm. But if you start looking through, is like who, who are the best available point guards? Well, there's Drew, but he's expensive and difficult to get. Clippers don't have much to offer. They could offer their young players like Landry Shamit. Shamit. Maybe you could do a sign and trade, but they don't need Montrezl Harrell because they have Zion at the same position. Uh, and if you're trading Paul George, that would open up a world of possibilities for the Clippers. But then uh, you're losing really a foundational piece, uh, although he was pretty uh, unimpressive in the playoffs. So th- these are the kind of issues they have. And I'm I'm really curious because normally you can just go by what's available on the free agent market and what teams have. But we've also got this economic uncertainty uh, with some teams struggling financially, and um, the, it's hard. We don't know what the salary cap's going to be. We don't know so many things uh, that we don't. Uh, there might be more sellers than there are buyers at this point. And if that's the case, uh, are there buyers who are willing to take on Paul George, and or are there sellers who are offering good things? And maybe the Clippers can make some smaller moves and get some good players. I, you know, it's, it's really hard to tell. Which is, you know, Drew Holiday, I don't know. When you start, uh, Victor Oladipo, you start going down the list. Spencer Dinwiddie, guys whose contracts are coming up soon. Uh, All of these players could be moved. And are you going to find that a team like the Clippers, are they one of the teams that's trying to trade out? Or are they, you know, in the case of Paul George, I don't think they're trying to save money. I would expect they're looking to spend. So they're probably a team looking to trade in and probably add to that core. But definitely need a point guard more than anything else. And, Another big who can support them, uh, preferably one who could shoot uh, and defend. But that's you know, that's that's hard to find. I mean, there are not a lot of guys who can do that. 
So you mentioned Paul George, so I have to bring you know bring up some of the rumors that have kind of gone back and forth, and then you know been shot down. But you know you never you really never know. I'm interested. Have you heard anything about you know kind of how they how the team interacted and you know some you know I'm sure you heard some of those rumors that you know there were potential folks that weren't necessarily in love with how Paul George was being handled, uh, and and even you know in their interactions with him. Have you heard anything about that? I think it was more Kawhi uh, than Paul George. Just, oh, okay. um, uh, you know, he's um, treated with kid gloves a little bit. Uh, and, you know, he's not a, um, you know, he's he's not like one of the guys socially. He, he is what he is, right? It's I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but he's definitely got his own kind of personality thing going on there. Uh, Paul is somebody who's, I think, easier to get along with, but he clearly had a hard time in the bubble. He talked about, mm-hmm. and, I, and I respect him talking about it, but talked about depression, Absolutely. talked about anxiety and that sort of thing. And Like, I feel you, that's, that's, that's not an easy thing, but you, you, there's a lot of money, there's a lot of people counting on you, and mm-hmm. it, it's not fair. It isn't, but it, this is the world that we're all in, right? I mean, I, I didn't get to go to the finals this year. I've been to every Lakers finals since 2000, and I've been to the last five finals mm. uh, in Golden State, but uh, didn't happen because this is the world, right? So yeah. uh, I feel bad for some of that for Paul, uh, but I heard the Clippers just, as a group, they just weren't present. They didn't want to be there. You know, we saw some of the behavior with Lou Williams making the choices he made, mm-hmm. uh, Lemon Pepper Lou, Lemon Pepper Lou, and uh, <laughs> and uh, I feel you know he. I feel for for Montrez. I think both he and and Lou both lost members of their family, mm-hmm. um, senior members of the family and grandparents, but um, yeah. important people in their lives. So they, you know, that's that's hard to just snap out of and to be in a bubble where you don't have as much personal freedom as you're used to and you're not around your support system. You can imagine that it's it's hard. And as much as um, absolutely, you want to treat people like they're professionals and should perform as such you also have to remember that they're human beings and and respect where they are and and that it's all not going to happen all at once for everybody uh the lakers credit to them the heat the nuggets uh the teams that got that far you know all credit to them for for persevering in a difficult time and and thriving uh but it's not going to happen for everyone and i i I don't know what the clippers are going to do to pull out of it I, i i think they need to make sure that there's trust between Paul George and Kawhi and mm-hmm. we're going to be in another world you know, of, of uncertainty. We don't know when everything's going to be back to normal in this, uh, in this situation. So it, it's not going to be fixed overnight. We're still going to be uncomfortable for some time. For sure, for sure, yeah, exactly. We don't even know if, the, if we're going to have fans in the buildings moving forward, or, or when that's going to take place. All right, so the last I have on this is still related to the you know to the coaching staff, but it kind of ties everything together. I love that you know uh, Coach Lou you know reportedly added uh, Sam Cassell to his staff, but the latest rumors have also have former Nets head coach Kenny Atkinson as a strong candidate to be added to the mix as well. I mention that because, and yeah, this is a little bit of shade. Unlike those well-crafted commercials about culture and whatnot, uh, you know, from last year that sounded great i actually think solidifying your bench can go as far you know can go just as far in terms of actually adding to the team's culture so do you think that you know a guy like atkinson actually winds up uh being yet another great addition for this clippers organization or could you still see another organization bringing him in in a head coaching capacity uh well there aren't many spots left and he's got a i think he's a really good development coach i don't know if he was the right coach to coach stars Mm -hmm. but as an assistant perfect and uh 
the the Clippers are are not shy about paying, uh, mm-hmm. so they're willing to. You know, we they had mm-hmm. Lou on as an assistant. They're they're willing to put the money into their staff, and so that makes sense. There are other teams that maybe aren't going to pay that much for an assistant, uh, but you know, like the Lakers had Jason Kidd. Like you go down the list, yeah. and it's not uncommon uh, if there's no head coaching job, some guys will just wait. But uh, for Kenny Atkinson to get back to work and uh, prove himself, I don't think that's a bad thing. Uh, I, it'd be great for the Clippers. You're adding on another uh, high-level coach who could be a head coach of this team if needed. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. Okay, so let's go ahead and listen. Uh, transition to a few listener and Twitter questions before we get you out of here. But before we do that, here's a quick word from our sponsors. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you to the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay what you for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsors' jobs which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more qualified candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is the best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at the games this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag that's blue wire all one word betonline your online sportsbook experts all right welcome back here on ducks and discourse still with the man the myth the legend i'm going to continue to embarrass you eric pinkus of bleacher report and nba tv okay so the timeline you know i'm sure you saw this it was up in a bit of an uproar the other day uh, due to reports of the lakers applying for an exemption from uh you know for uh dang's remaining contract and I'm just going to ask you to do this for me. Can you actually explain the process in layman's terms for those of us that are not capologists and do not quite understand and are wondering what this actually looks like in terms of uh, their eventual potential cap space, as well as whether it means Dang would still receive the money that's owed to him? Yeah, yeah, of course. And and if you're if you're listening and you're interested in really getting to the meat of it and really want to see how this stuff is figured out. Uh, I started streaming on YouTube this last week. Um, I've got a couple nice. streams up, and if you go to my Twitter profile, it's Eric Pincus, E-R-I-C-P-I-N-C-U-S. I have a stream that's about, I don't know, about an hour and a half uh, where I look up the actual CBA language and we discuss it. Uh, so I, 
it, it kind of goes back to like there's philosophies of like uh, how law works in society mm-hmm. where uh, you're either going by a literal interpretation of the rule or you're going by um, like an interpretation of the intent of the rule. And that's something that the Supreme Court, uh, when they make their judgments, that's what they make and judges in general. That's a very common uh, debate in, in, a, in front of a judge as uh, two parties are arguing. And so from the actual document, it says in, in the CBA basically that when someone is injured and suffers a career-ending injury, it's only the team that um, they were playing for when they suffered the injury that can uh, apply for relief. And mm. that relief doesn't come, and we'll simplify, it doesn't come until a year after that player's last game. So uh, we're a couple of years removed from that, uh, from his last game with the Lakers. Um, so the literal rule says that if it's a career-ending injury, you would say that, well, he's he played a whole other year with the Timberwolves. His career did not end with the Lakers. And so literally, by the rule... They don't really have a leg to stand on uh, because he played for another team. Now, he only played 25 games Mm. and then had some Achilles problems and then ultimately retired. Now, there's another aspect to the rule, and this is kind of where you get into the interpretive side, uh, where let's say the Lakers were granted at the time, let's say right after Dang, a year after, after they waived him, a year later, they apply and and the the league says, sure, and he didn't play for Minnesota right away. Mm-hmm. And let's say he took a year off and then went back to Minnesota, never played there before, signs with Minnesota. This is a year after the Lakers have taken his money off, and he goes and says, you know what, I'm unretiring, I think I can play. They let him back in the league, and he goes and plays, and he plays 25 games or more. Then the the money would hit the Lakers' books again. The league would say, okay, uh, that was a mistake. He clearly isn't retired. Uh, whatever we ruled before, we're going to reverse it. Mm-hmm. But that threshold is 25 games. But he didn't get to 25 games with the Wolves. So that doesn't really matter because it, in the literal word, those 25 games have to do with when the team, like the Lakers, had they been given that relief, it's 25 games from that point, not 25 games from any other arbitrary point. From yeah. the Lakers' point of view, they're, what they would be arguing, and this is really dependent on how good their medical... Uh, uh, really their information, their evaluation, their records on Luol Deng can prove that he was not fit to play and that he should never have signed with Minnesota. And that while the 25-game rule doesn't necessarily apply, it shows the spirit of like, if a, if a guy can get to 25, then clearly they're able to play. That's, how, that's what the CBA says, right? That like if he doesn't get to 25, then, then he, the retiring was correct. Right, like he wasn't fit to play. They took the money off. He played. He didn't play twenty five. We're all good because that's the the threshold. The Lakers would argue that, in theory, that the Wolves were negligent in signing him, and that the medical showed that he should not have been played. Here's the medical evidence. Hmm. This is a player who is at risk and should never be playing basketball at this point, which is why we let him go. The Wolves were negligent, and the result of it is that he had an Achilles injury and he's retired now officially, it never should have happened. And we tried to say it at the time, but uh, the Wolves, whatever, they made their choices. So that's the argument from the Lakers' point of view. And it's the sort of thing where the actual literal law, does. basically it's too bad, no. 
you're not going to get that benefit because you played with someone else. But if they interpret it by the intent and, and agree with the assessment and look at what happened in Minnesota and say, yeah, he was never really fit to play there, mm-hmm. I would say that more likely than not, the Lakers do not get relief for Luol Deng. Uh, I, I, in my stream, I talk about what that means for this year. Uh, it does help them pay guys like uh, Rajon Rondo or KCP, Catavius Caldwell-Pope, while also bringing in another player at about $9 million, almost $10 million, depending on where the tax line is. Uh, it helps make that easier to do. Otherwise, the Lakers may only have about $6 million to spend, uh, and that limits who they can go after. Uh, getting rid of Dunk helps that. And then if you look a year down the road when you've got LeBron and you've got AD, and you might be able to have uh, a third star come in, potentially, mm-hmm. If that's the way they want to go, obviously every team wants to keep adding stars. But if that's the goal, then uh, without Dang, LeBron might have to take like a $5 million discount. Mm-hmm. But with Dang, he has to take like a $10 million discount. might be harder to sell. Uh, okay. But, you know, there's so many variables and so many things that um, it's really hard to project because we just have no idea where the salary cap could be 115 next year. Not not this next season. Uh, it might be – I'm talking about 20. Uh, 21 22 mm-hmm. it might be 125 it could be higher it could be low we, we have no idea yet um we can guess but we don't really know where the league's going to come down on it and i expect they're going to come down with a set salary cap that is independent of the normal system uh because of this the shutdown that we're in so we'll, we we may know the cap for the next two seasons uh in, in the next two three four or five weeks however long it takes for them to work this out once we now that know that information, we'll have a much better sense. But uh, it would also help the Lakers to get that dang money off. And I know a lot of teams are like, "What the hell are the Lakers doing? It's not right. There's no way." And are are like looking at them like rolling eyes and saying, "Hell no." But you can certainly argue from a point of view, and if they have the medical evidence to back it up, that they have a shot. Is there any precedent of, you know, for an act like this whatsoever? Well, I mean, for for guys to have the money coming off the books, of course. Uh, most recently, Omer Sheik with uh, or Ashik mm-hmm. with uh, the Chicago Bulls, uh, Nikola Pekovic, uh, Toledovic, um, a few others. I think we'll see John Lur with who was with the Bucks. Okay, he had some injuries and had to retire early, relatively young. They've got about three point two million on their books for this year, next year, and the year after. That'll probably come off uh, as soon as the off- as soon as we get out of uh, this whatever period we're in, where the league's technically in 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 a state of uh, moratorium right now. We're sort of frozen, uh, but at some point those his book his numbers will come off of Milwaukee's books. So mm-hmm. it's not uncommon for a guy to retire for medical reasons and to have his money come off the books. It's exceptionally rare for a, a player to leave a team, be stretched, and then go play for another team. And then a year after that, then that team, the original team, is now looking for relief. It just seems counter to how the law is written because it literally is counter to how the law is written Mm -hmm. in the books. That doesn't mean that they won't win. It's just that that's not how the literal rule reads. Um, But if they can make the case that the interpretive rule and the NBA has a history of, of looking at things interpretively, especially under Adam silver. Mm-hmm. So it's not a stretch to say they look at that or at least consider it. But if they don't have really good medical evidence, then it's not going to get very far. 
Got it. Thanks to, of course, thanks to the OG Muffin Man for that question. I appreciate him. He's a good follow. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. I completely understand. Like, I, I understand both sides of it, and I know that's kind of weak, but I understand other teams saying, like, what the hell are they doing? But I also understand from the Lakers' perspective, you have to at least try. You know, you did absolutely no reason not to. All right, a couple more. Uh, we often, and by we, you know I'm referring to NBA Twitter, but we often immediately presume that every available free agent or soon-to-be free agent veteran in particular will flock to a contender like these Lakers, uh, whether by signing or a transaction. But you're already, you know, and we're already hearing names like Danilo Gallinari or even Derrick Rose being thrown around. So I'm interested in whether you've heard any, any of these murmurs uh, about those guys or anyone else the Lakers might have interest in adding to the mix for next season. Well, that's kind of where we, you know, I, like I said, I did a, I've been streaming on uh, YouTube. My first stream is about that concept, uh, and it's about the tax level. Um, the tax was supposed to be about 139 mm-hmm. before the shutdown. If the cap stays flat, it'll be 133 about. And if the Lakers are going to um, pay KCP and Rondo raises. Let's say that KCP gets 10, 11, 12 million dollars. Let's say they reward Rondo with 5, 6, 4, somewhere in there. Let's say it's 18 million or 15 million for the two of them in that range. Well, now you add up all the salaries of the returning players, assuming that they resign AD at the max. Uh, we have to see what happens with Avery Bradley and JaVale McGee, who have player options. Uh, we've already heard, and it's not official, but we've heard that Rondo and KCP are opting out. Uh, they can't do that yet, but eventually they can and probably will. And so if the Lakers are paying for those guys and if Avery opts in and if JaVale opts in, they're going to struggle to have more than $6 million to spend uh, because they're going to be too close to the cap. And, and there are the NBA has what's called the soft cap, which means that you can spend uh, as high as you can with whatever the means are. Every team has a set of tools that they can use to spend. Uh, but if you use certain tools, the, specifically the one that is uh, almost $10 million, it does lock in a hard cap. And if you're paying those other two players and you're trying to bring in somebody at $10 million, you're probably at there. So you know, what's the solution? One would be to pay those guys less. Another would be to trade JaVale McGee. I know that the Portland Trailblazers have a trade exception and maybe you can make a deal with them to take on JaVale. Uh, and he would replace Hassan Whiteside. I don't know if they're interested in JaVale McGee, but you know, we can at least use that as an example of the kind mm-hmm. of move the Lakers can make. Maybe not the specific one. Uh, they could trade Avery. Uh, they want without him, or they can keep him and have depth in the backcourt. But uh, you're going to need room to, to spend. So now uh, you know, you're talking Danilo Gallinari. He's somebody who uh, is probably looking for $15 million and the Lakers have 10 uh, so if he can get, I, I don't think the Thunder are going to give it to him. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. But if they don't, uh, there's only about four teams that I think are going to really have cap room. That's the Knicks, the Hawks, the Hornets, and the Pistons. Uh, we can debate whether the Suns will. We could debate whether or not uh, Miami will. There's a few other teams that could, but a lot of that depends on, on who they keep. Uh, for instance, if the Heat keep Gordon Dragic, they're not going to have the room to to go after Danilo Gallinari, but also I don't think they would go after Danilo Gallinari. So th- those are the kind of questions. I, I don't think the Knicks are, are looking at Gallinari, but he'd certainly be open to that because they have money. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will say that the Pistons 
could be the answer for him because uh, they are run by Arn Tellum. He's he's their top basketball executive. Okay. Uh, and his son is Michael Tellum, mm-hmm. and Michael Tellum is Danilo's agent. Ah. <laughs> so Danilo used to be uh, repped by Arn, so they have a good relationship. Now Derek Rose was represented by him, and he got a nice contract last year. Do I think that's going to happen? I, I don't know. I'm just saying as a fallback, I could see – uh, the Pistons going in that direction. And, like, uh, we all saw the Laker game when they beat the Nuggets, and as soon as it was over, you saw LeBron in the ear of mm-hmm. uh, of Grant, Jeremy Grant, and it reminded me of when he was in the ear of Lonzo Ball before <laughs> when he was with Cleveland before he came to the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Never mind that Lonzo's gone. Uh, but, he, like, Grant <laughs> he, is going to be – Denver's going to make an offer, I think, for in the neighborhood of $15 million. And if not – He's he might be the young enough player that somebody might go after, but again, we 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 literally don't know. Are, are there are the teams that have cap room? Are they going to shy away from spending it all? Are they going to spend the minimum that they can to uh, instead of giving a big multi year de- deal? Uh, is Jeremy Grant end up in a position where he's looking at ten million? I, I don't think so. I think he's going to sign for fifteen probably with Denver. Uh, but these are the kind of players that the Lakers might be able to go after if they're not in this hard cap situation. Well, they would certainly be hard capped, but if, as long as they're not at that cap, which will be about, it's actually about 139, uh, which is where that hard cap would be. The tax line is about 133, but the hard cap around 139. So when you add up all those salaries, uh, and if you're paying KCP, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. you could be limited to just 6 million. So, you know, I, I look at the Lakers and, and if they return the exact same team, they have like zero room in the backcourt. There's no way that they can bring back the same team and then also sign a guard. Uh, so, I mean, if you think about it, right, like if you've got Rondo coming back and you have KCP and Avery Bradley yeah, and you have Danny Green and you yeah. have Alex Crusoe and you have Taylor Horton Tucker who needs some minutes, mm-hmm. uh, that's even before discussing bringing back Deion Waiters, right? Yes, still so, got Quinn Cook. Uh, yeah. Right, and, and you have Quinn Cook too who is only $1 million guaranteed of his three. Uh, if they bring all those guys back, there's absolutely no way they're going to add to the backcourt uh, because that player won't play, and or or someone else won't play. In which case, if they're not going to play, you should be trading them. And you, yeah, it's good. It helps if there's injuries, but you you don't build a team where you have so much redundancy that uh, you know that mm-hmm. it's it's impractical. Uh, in the front court, I could see them bringing back Dwight and Markeef. Uh They can bring back Dwight at about three million. They can bring back Markeef at about two point nine million mm-hmm. in that ballpark uh, without using any of those exceptions. Uh, I don't know if those, that's what those guys will come for, but I do know that uh, you look at who LeBron is and, and who he's represented by, which is you know, Clutch Sports, Rich Paul, and, and LeBron has tremendous power within that. Mm-hmm. So if the Lakers need a big, you could certainly see Tristan Thompson being a possibility. Uh, he's on the Clutch label. Uh, Nerlens Noel is as like a, a JaVale McGee replacement could make sense. Uh, he's on Clutch. Uh, or they could go to DeMarcus Cousins, who obviously was close to the team close to um, LeBron and certainly close to AD. Uh, so he could he could be an option at the big side. So if you've got those bigs and Markeith, and if you don't trade Kuzma, mm-hmm. you're not going to have any room for big guys. So it's pretty clear that if the Lakers need one player, it's at the small forward position from a defensive point of view, mm-hmm. which is why when you look at Jeremy Grant, that's why he, he makes the perfect sense. But I, I don't think realistically the Lakers can get that kind of money. But uh, you know, you never know. Maybe he's leaving his agent to go to Clutch, and maybe there's something <laughs> going on. But I, I, I haven't heard anything to suggest that. 
that's probably why you you know you see the Lakers front office swinging for defenses with you know situations like the Dang you know the Dang contract. So I get that. I completely get that. Yep. All right, let's go two two more quick ones before you get out of here. And again, I really do appreciate you joining you know, joining today. Uh, are you still a hip hop or rap fan? And I promise this is not a setup. <laughs> of course. I mean, you know, I, I've got my karaoke tracks that I can uh, I can bust out when well in, in in the normal days of life when my wife and I used to go out and do that sort of thing. Uh, you know, we haven't done that for a while. So hold I look on forward to the days we can go out and have some fun with some friends and. EP, you can't drop that on us and not give what your tra- you know what your go to tracks are. Oh, I mean, just the '90s hip hop stuff, like oh. uh, I mean, jump around and uh, I'm gonna, you know, Mama said knock you out or all oh, the uh, fun stuff, okay. Humpty Dance or mm-hmm. uh, I could do It Takes Two. My wife and I, my wife's actually a professional singer, so mm-hmm. uh, uh, that's what she's she's actually on some great all time hip hop tracks, but. Um, I wasn't going to go uh, my, there, but I appreciate that you, you, you brought that out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but myself, like, uh, we do American Boy pretty well, which is uh, like ah, Estelle with Kanye. Uh-huh. Uh, we can knock that out pretty well together. So, you know, with that, that kind of era, uh, you know, it's fun. It, it, I don't have to drink too much, just a little bit. One drink, two drink, and then, you know, I'm ready to go. Loosen it up. I got you. I got you. All right. Well, I asked that because my guy at Ricky, he wanted to know who you thought the best, the best MC to grace the hardwood was past or present. So I'll at least frame it as Shaq, Dane, Shumpert. And what about our guy Meta between those guys? <laughs> well, I mean, there's like, who's the best baller of that or who's the best rapper? No, the best rapper. Shaq is Shaq. No, no, the know. best rapper for sure. Um, I mean, I, I look at, at, Damien Lillard, Dame Dollar, and I look at him as more of um, someone who's doing it more for the art of it, mm-hmm. uh, where Shaq was just doing it more for the fun of it. Yeah, uh, like I think that Dame is more serious about it as an artistic pursuit. Yes, so I got to go with Dame there. I, you know, I have great respect for him, and he's trying to, you know, he's trying to communicate and share his thoughts and ideas, and and it's not. I mean, Shaq was just so much fun, so I, you know, I can't hate on anything that Shaq did as a. You know, like uh, as a rap artist or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but yeah, I got to go with Dame on that. Uh, the others are certainly uh, very talented as well. So, you know, but I got to go with Dame. I, I, I agree with you. Like, you know, to be honest with you, that's the answer. Like, all respect to Shaq, <laughs> all respect to everybody, you know, all respect to the true warrior, uh, but it's Dame. All right. Uh, one more from the from the fans, or excuse me, from the listeners, excuse me. Do you feel the recent reports of the anonymous GM expressing displeasure with Rich Paul and how Clutch continues to rise in terms of influence around the league? Do you get the sense that it's a widespread concern, you know, from a lot of GMs, or merely a matter of a rival GM attempting to kind of, I guess, yuck a bit of a, a bit of their yum, so, so to speak? Um, I mean, if, I, if you want me to keep it real, it feels a little racist. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> that's, that's, like, I, I, yeah, I. Like, uh, I get that there's an inherent inherent conflict in that uh, they have an advantage because LeBron is their best recruiter and has tremendous power. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Kobe had a lot of power with Clutch, and not Clutch, with Palinka, with Landmark, with Palinka, and that's how they got James Harden and a lot of his clients. Uh, but, but there was a point where... Uh, I mean, it wasn't a good Lakers team, but they had Boozer. They had uh, guys came in and out. Wesley Johnson, Derek Fisher, mm-hmm. uh, Chris Kamen. Uh, I'm, I'm forgetting one or two where there were a lot of guys. Plus, 
guys who the team tried to get and guys who tried to push their way to the Lakers didn't all work out. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of them were on the Plinka brand. So that's not like something new. And if you go with you know, Scott Boris, David Falk, um, um, gosh, what's um, – I'm thinking uh, Dan um, – I'm sorry. Uh, uh, no, Dwight no. Howard's former – Dan uh, – Fagan? Fagan, thank you. Yep. Uh, the late Dan Fagan. He, he was somebody who – God, Dan Fagan – you know, rest his soul and all that, but he would cause mm-hmm. all kinds of problems. It was his way. Everyone has their their way of operating, right? And mm-hmm. his was to like really hammer through the media and to hold out and to have these big moments. Uh, I mean, he was a very successful agent. Uh, I'm not hating on any of these guys. Um, why is this one like different? And why are we resenting why uh, you know young African American has risen to power? Uh, be it because of LeBron or on his own, I think he's done pretty well on his own. Yeah, clearly, but certainly having LeBron in your corner helps. I, mm-hmm. I don't understand some of the things I read are are a little offensive to me personally. That, but you know, I, I don't, I haven't had the conversations with those people. I have had conversations with some who've called them like the mafia, mafia of the NBA and that kind of stuff. And to me, hmm. that that just reads as like just. It sounds like posse. It sounds like a little bit of PJX from a few years ago. Yeah, these are these are. Um, they're, you're using words that are uh, dancing around what you're trying to say. Yeah. Uh, but to me, pa- player empowerment, like uh, this is under normal circumstances, an $8 billion industry, right? Mm-hmm. And the players, uh, they're, they're entitled to half of that based on the rules, more or less. Okay. So like $4 billion. And you're going to divide that up around you know, 450 players, roughly. I mean, the two ways don't get a lot of that. So 450 players. So there's a lot of money to go to these players. Uh, they deserve it. I mean, they've earned it. Uh, I'm not watching. Uh, you know, Steve Ballmer's a, a fantastic uh, businessman. Has had great success. Appreciate his passion for the game, but I'm not there to see him play. I mean, I'd watch a celebrity mm-hmm. game with the owners. <laughs> I'd probably pay up to like 30, 40, 50 bucks to see one game of like you know Genie Bus out there and Who, who's drop Mark stepping Cuban. on somebody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'd be fun to, for like an exhibition, but I, am I like really? doing what i do professionally for that league no No, of course not (laughs) i mean it's so lebron is a transcendent athlete if he's using his power there's no rules that are are i mean you could argue there's a certain amount of rules that are broken as far as tampering and things like that but all these agents are tampering like they're all doing the same things there's nothing that they're doing that they wouldn't want to do or wouldn't do given the the chance you know it's like sorry he has lebron and you don't, and but you you know there's a lot of great players who can use their power and do use their power. Uh, I I think like the Celtics knew that they were from what I heard that they were going to get AD and then he signed with Clutch and then Oof. you know <laughs> that didn't happen because AD wanted to go to play with LeBron. Mm-hmm. Is that LeBron's fault? Are we taking away agency from AD as an individual and say like, what he didn't want to come to Los Angeles and be and play with LeBron? Uh, because maybe that's what he wanted. Instead, we're going to blame Rich Paul and and then use undercover racist terms to describe it. That's just my take. No, I appreciate that. And and, and, and thank you, of course, to Macademic One for that question. I appreciate that you're just straightforward about that because like, I, I'm at that place. I feel like if 2020 has done anything, we can, we can take the kid gloves off and we can just say it. So I, I definitely appreciate that. And we'll wrap with this because it's kind of related, I guess, tangentially. Marcus Smart, um, he shared a really compelling story in a recent Players Tribune post. Uh, did you happen to see that one? 
I, I saw that it exists. I haven't read it yet. Got it. Well, just uh, just uh, for the listener's sake as well, uh, basically he discusses some of his experiences as, as an athlete and as a man in general, uh, which included some dealings with being profiled by the police as well as an ugly situation involving a fan after a game. Um, you know, like uh, there in Boston, we all uh, anybody that's familiar with his story, we already know about the one in Oklahoma State. Uh, I referenced that article not only to recommend the folks uh, the, that you definitely check it out, um, but relating him using this you know his platform to share his, those stories i'm interested in hearing your thoughts on how you felt the league the broadcast partners you know teams and players did i guess with with their messaging during the you know during their time in the bubble and and actually do you think it's something that will continue uh i don't think it's going to continue at the same level uh like so there's a certain percentage of people who are turned off by it yeah uh and i think some people are pointing at the low ratings and correlating the two and saying that's causality, but that's not what it is. Mm-hmm. Like the numbers for baseball are down. The numbers are down for a lot of reasons. Hockey. And the number of engagement, yeah. the, the engagement numbers for the NBA are up in other platforms because the world is changing, yes. obviously dramatically this year. Uh, and so, you know, and especially the younger world, uh, like we might, my, my, you know, I have three kids, they're teenagers. They don't watch a lot of TV, but they're on their phones watching videos all the time. It's just, or they don't read a lot of books, but they're reading things online so it's just different from when i grew up and i think that uh the corporations and the ratings and the the basic mechanisms by which we determine success over the last 10 20 30 40 50 years have evolved and uh, at an increasing rate and so i don't know the reasons why attendance is down where we could say this is the exact thing but i could point to a lot of them and i would say a small part of it is the nba's push for uh, racial justice and and I I support it and I think it needs to be more if not th- more not less mm-hmm. but at the same time I it, it you know it's a sport and it's a place for escape and I get that uh, I don't know if they'll have slogans again uh, I thought it's it's a little cookie cutter where every, like there's mm-hmm. a set number of slogans yeah that you could choose from I, I thought they did as as well as they could under the circumstances given that it is a corporation and they have a lot of mouths to feed and and Mm -hmm. can only go so far uh and there's no perfection here i mean i I don't expect you know they're going to do dealings with china and uh still try to bring in money from china and there are so does apple and nike and all these big companies and and we're gonna have to understand that there are compromises you have to make to function and succeed in this world especially in business athletes inclusive uh i i liked how the players handled the situation i mean it was imperfect. I don't think there was a plan in place when when they had the stoppage or if you want to call it a strike, uh, whatever you want to call it. I mean, they, it, it it was something that was worked through, and I thought we you know, it, it paused the world for a minute. Uh, but I, I'm I'm proud of the players for representing themselves. Uh, I think that's how the world changes. Uh, it's a slow thing, uh, but it it starts with the recognizable recognizable celebrities. Mm-hmm. Uh, because some people are just simply not exposed to other kinds of people because of where they live. They just may not have access to those people in person of different colors, of, of different ethnic backgrounds, of different religions, of whatever you want to call it. Uh, and um, you know, we're supposed to preach tolerance, and, and I think we've gotten past the point of just tolerance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we've got to get to a point where uh, you know, we're actively helping to write uh, a wrong that may not impact us directly, mm-hmm. even though it, it it really does. I mean, if if, if you course. see someone uh, being 
persecuted, it, it, it does affect you whether you want to recognize it or not. And it, it impacts all of us economically, uh, you know, just spiritually, all those things. So it, it's important to, to up, uplift your brother and to understand that we are brothers, whether you, you, you recognize it because of different shades of skin, which makes no you know damn sense to me. It's a very tribal world, mm-hmm. but that's never, you know, people in my tribe come from all kinds of different places. It's like whatever. It's like you bond on who you are as a person, not on... Uh, you know the superficial characteristics. So I don't. I that's just not how I was. I guess how I was raised or how I was born. I don't know. Whatever it is, I don't look at it that way. And obviously, I married interracially, so that's my that's my life story. It doesn't match what everyone else is. That's so true. I have to acknowledge that as well. So uh, seeing LeBron, seeing idols, players that you idolize, uh, that young people idolize, is great. Uh, I was so glad that they did the bubble. I was so glad they didn't stop. Uh, this you, you spread out all the players around the world. And right now, it's hard for them to have a, a, a concrete message and, and sounding board. But when they were all together in the bubble, they did a great job with it. I thought the NBA did its best, given that it's a corporate entity, to facilitate it. Uh, where we go from here, I think it'll be scaled back a little bit. Uh, but I don't think in any way are they going to discourage uh, players speaking out. I just don't think it'll be slogans right up in everyone's face. But I yeah. think we'll still see commercials promoting racial justice. Uh, we'll still have a lot of money coming from the league and investing in programs uh, into communities and to making change uh, because the league is the players. They're made up mm-hmm. of the players. It's, if you just want to treat it like it's just the ownership groups uh, of which the majority of them are not uh, you know, minorities, certainly mm-hmm. some are, and I encourage more. Yeah. Uh, but if you own it and you're, if you're a, a white male and you own the team, you're not going to not own the team because you're you're not going to take it away from you it was donald sterling happened but that was uh because of what happened but yeah. um you are know, not going to take it from uh, and and nor should you you shouldn't take someone's property but you know at the same time that's kind of what institutional racism is, is that <laughs> it was it was uh, you know uh, in this particular country uh you know white men owned things and uh, african americans at the time really african people brought over to america did not own and they were in fact owned and so that's changed uh in a lot of ways but that redistribution redistribution of wealth hasn't happened and yeah. and and i understand from an individual perspective what happened two three four hundred years ago wasn't you mm-hmm. right there's no owner here who is a slave owner and it doesn't matter whose descendants were what yeah uh, it matters who you are and what you've done. And so they're sort of in a, that position of, um, I, I would like to see owners very actively. I, I wrote about it on Bleacher Report. I, I feel like they have an obligation to represent who they are as a league, whether they understand that or not. This is what the league is. Recognize the players that make it up, the percentages, and honor them because that you're, you're partners with them. So if your partners act like it. Without a doubt. And, you know, I, I won't keep I'm not going to lie to you. I could keep going with you for the next hour, but I'm not going to do that to you on a Friday, on a Friday evening. I, I again, I, I just appreciate, you know, your honesty on all of those topics and in particular that one. I definitely appreciate it. Again, EP, thank you so much for joining Does the Discourse today. Can you let the folks know not only your Twitter, you know, where they can find your show, where they can get to your YouTube stream and, you know, all, all across the board. Well, uh, I'm at Twitter on Twitter at uh, Eric Pincus, E-R-I-C-P-I-N-C-U-S. Uh, that's the best way to get my content. Uh, I am happy to respond. Hit me up there. Uh, you'll see pinned in my profile. Uh, my first post is the YouTube link for the, my most recent video. You could also find me uh, uh, at 
on the Hollywood Hoops podcast, which is Hollywood underscore hoops. Uh, and then I write for Basketball Insiders, uh, and I write for Bleacher Report. So you'll see my articles. Uh, say hi. Don't be, fr- don't be shy. Uh, <laughs> I also tutor salary cap. Uh, so if you're interested in private tutoring, reach out as well. I've been tutoring all summer. That's what I've one of the things I've done to make use of my time with the shutdown, and uh, nice. it's been a great experience. So happy to s- share the knowledge and uh, help people get to that next stage. Without a doubt, definitely, folks, check him out. Uh, as you you just heard for the past hour, he's an incredible guy. Uh, all types of knowledge and all types of great you know all types of great takes. Are you uh, before you get out? Are you still doing that with Larry Kuhn? Is he a part of that, or is you are you? Uh, I mean, I, I work with Larry. I worked with him over the summer. I've worked with him on a couple of projects, and we still are, are close friends. So, nice. uh, uh, yeah, Larry's Larry's the best. Another great guy. Absolutely. All right, EP, thanks again for joining. I really do appreciate your time. All right, you got it. Anytime. And, you know, as I mentioned, we'll go ahead and transition right into five dope minutes with Varun. Varun, thanks for joining today. Of course, of course. Feels good to be back. No, without a doubt, without a doubt. We, you know, to be honest with you, I should have been—I should have kept it up. You know, we should have been doing this every other Thursday, and, and we will move, <laughs> and we will, move, or every other you know weekday, and we will move forward. But let's go ahead and kick it off because I saved this one specifically for you. At John Delorean, he wants to know why Shaq is still so salty about Dwight even now. And I and I, I mentioned I saved it for you on purpose because, look. I come from a generation where we absolutely love Shaq and we will make every excuse we can for him. But even I can't do that anymore because I'll be honest with you. And, and for the, you know, for the listeners out there and, you know, for your sake, if you haven't seen it, um, you know, Dwight in the, you know, in the locker room following, you know, the, uh, the Lakers winning a championship, he posts, you know, a, an inspirational message basically saying, don't give up on your dreams. And, Shaq, being the guy that he is, you know, being the guy that has had an unnecessary rivalry with this, you know, you know with this man for the past ten years, or however long, you know, the, the, for the duration of you know Dwight's career, uh, he had to slam him, yeah, and he, and he had to clown him. And, and to be honest with you, I, 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 I thought it was bush league, and especially, you know, quite frankly, he just helped the franchise that you played for, that you had by far the greatest stretch of your career. He just assisted them in winning a title. But I'm at, I'm, I'm interested in your perspective on it because you're obviously younger and you did you don't have quite the reverence, or you may not have quite the reverence that I, you know that my generation has for Shaq. Yeah, I don't think I I don't remember seeing Shaq play at least if I saw him play at all. It was like that end when he was with the Celtics. So. The only thing I have with him is like YouTube highlights, and then I read his autobiography, which was like genuinely very entertaining and one of the funnier things I've read. But I I don't think it's jealousy because he has nothing to be jealous of. But I think it's just a lot of the guys on that show, and you see it a lot in like baseball too, and in some like hockey as well. Old guys don't like the way that sport is now. They think it should be more like how they played. If you're from the '90s or early 2000s, like Shaq was, you wanted to be more in the post game. And I think he's still mad that Dwight tried to take the Superman thing. I think it's just an old like. I, I think he's just trying to get his name in the news. I don't know. I don't. It's dumb. It's it's dumb all around. Like actually, no, it's not dumb all around. It's dumb on Shaq's part. Shouts to Dwight who actually is you know become a useful player. And so here's the thing that I have, and and, and we can let it go after this. But the reason why <laughs> it bothers, and the reason why it bothers me specifically, is because I don't understand why Shaq continues to punch down. Even though Dwight has had a great career, even though Dwight will be a Hall of Famer, despite you know what silly people out there, you know, one hundred percent Hall of Famer, will, will sometimes assert, he's still not even close to the conversation <laughs> as Shaq. It's not even close. Shaq's a top ten guy of all time. Dwight, yep. you know, like I, I don't, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to besmirch, excuse me, besmirch Dwight. But the truth of the matter is, it's still punching down. So it just seems ridiculous to me. So, with that said, I'm going to tell you a quick Shaq story. 
right, for my 23rd birthday. Now, bear in mind, and, and I've discussed a little bit of, you know, the, the, the dynamics on this show before. You know, Shaq, uh, when he was playing for the Lakers in particular, obviously, you know, it was always in L.A., always uh, on the, you know, on the west side of the valley, uh, you know, right off into her boulevard. You know, we ran into, you know, we ran, you know, if you were living in that section, you know, of Los Angeles at that time, you were going to run into Shaq. So uh, this one particular park, Janesta Park, where we all used to play, he used to be out there. So that's just a reminder for those of the, you know, those are the folks that have, you know, heard it. So for my 23rd birthday it happened you know 2002 yes i'm old as dirt so um you you want to know what else happened in 2002 you were born i know this yeah (laughs) i know this so so quickly for my 20s so for my 23rd birthday I um you know I go to this place. It's this little jazz spot where they they used to have you know live you know live music. So basically, all the brothers and you know folks that like us would go to it in the in the valley. Shaq used to be you know used to patronize it all the time. Anyhow, they play Game Seven up in Sacramento. It's an epic game. You know, great series. They you know they win in overtime. You know, Shaq and Kobe come through. Uh, and then you know three hours later, he happens to walk into the joint. <laughs> He happens to walk right in, and everybody, you know, we go nuts. Oh shit, Shaq! Blah blah blah. Great times, right? Um, he recognizes me because he's seen us a bunch of times at the park. Like he used to come and watch the games, and he comes up. He's like, "Hey, what's up, man? What's up?" And like, I'm like, "Okay, Shaq. Hi." You know, this is, <laughs> now keep in mind, this is when before I you know, ever even considered you know covering the league, so I was not accustomed to like interacting, interacting with you know with stars. Right. right. Anyhow. I got a I got a shot of disgusting Hennessy. Yes, I said it. Hennessy's gross. I finally admit it. But I got a shot of Hennessy from Shaq on my twenty third birthday. So that's always a fun story. That's incredible. Man. Do you have any quick athlete or star story? See, I, I'm gonna say something now, and it's gonna sound so bad, like so like low tier in terms of what you just said. But so I covered. Uh, I'm in my freshman year of college, but two years ago I was a junior in high school and I was covering high school sports for a local outlet at the time. And I don't take myself seriously, but I took that job seriously. You know, they were paying me and I wanted to do a good job. And I remember I was covering my school at the time and they played their opening game of the season. And they were bringing a new quarterback, a transfer kid. And I'm going to call him Jonathan for now because I'm not going to use real name. So Jonathan comes out and first half he stinks up the joint. There's no other way of saying it. He throws a pick, and twice, not once, but twice, he takes the snap from the center and just drops it on the ground. One time, they lost it for a fumble. Second half, they replace him. They bring in the backup quarterback, and the backup quarterback, I mean, he didn't do a lot of it, but when the backup quarterback came in, they came back and won the game pretty handily, right? Mm -hmm. So I wrote a gamer. I didn't write like an analysis piece, no analysis or anything. I just write a straight gamer where I say, he dropped the snap a couple of times, threw a pick, Got replaced. That's all I said. Yeah. And then they won. So the next game, we're playing our school's rival, and I'm also at that game. And, you know, I, I don't wear, I, I didn't wear, like, a press pass or anything. I was in the stands, and I was just, like, walking around, just, like, pacing around. And I have, like, a little notepad in my head because I want to, like, remember stuff because mm-hmm. it's not like I get, like, a play-by-play report at a high school game. But uh, I'm just running around, and, like, an like, older white dude asks me, <laughs> Hey, uh, are you are you Varun Shankar? And I'm like, oh, are you that loco sports guy? And I'm like, oh, oh boy. <laughs> yes, yes, I am. And I'm like, and you know, at first I'm thinking, how does he know this? I'm like, then I'm thinking, like, how many Indian dudes covering football are <laughs> holding a notepad in this stand? This is true. And then so uh, I, I'm like, yeah. And he's like, you wrote a really shit piece about my son. And I'm like, Jeez. oh, oh no. <laughs> oh boy. And so. 
you know, like, I'm guessing if it happened now, I don't know. Like, I'm, a, I'm, I'm like, a pretty, like, laid-back guy. But, like, I, I got kind of, like, annoyed. I was like, nah, I just wrote the facts. I, your son played badly. And me and him are kind of getting into it. And at one point, I'm like, all right, let's not make a scene. And so I just, like, I, I de-escalated and walk away. Yeah. Uh, needless to say, after that season, it was the worst season. He, he came back and played later that year as well. Didn't play well. Mm-hmm. At the end of the year, he transferred to a different school. Our coach resigned. It was a whole thing. Team went like four and ten, whatever. He's a coach, but, but the the <laughs> next year he's playing at a different school in the same county, and I went to go cover one of their games. I'm not listen, I, listen. I, journalistic integrity. I don't root for anyone. I was rooting for the other team handily. Not even close. <laughs> not even close. But fun story about that game. In that game, a junior a junior quarterback played really well. It was like his coming out game. He had like three touchdowns. Ran for them. His team had a huge comeback win against Jonathan's team. And I remember after the game, I uh, I interview him, and he's like, "Yeah, I was feeling dangerous today." And I was like, "Okay, that's the lead." <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, it, was, was that a hint as to who that might be, who that uh, individual might be? It's not Baker Mayfield, if you're wondering. Oh, okay, because I was like, "Wait a second, time out." <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, fair enough. You, you know what's funny about that story? Um, I, I remember for a time, athletes and stars in general, you know, public figures in general, you know, would say things like, oh, I don't read my press. I don't, you know, I don't read my comments. I don't. Absolute bullshit. Yep. Absolute bullshit. They read they re- everything. They re- all of it. All of it. And I respect it. Just to be clear, I'm not clowning them for doing it. I, I would. I, I would absolutely. I've had a very, I won't tell the story, but I've had a very similar experience with somebody that used to play for the Lakers during the really shitty years. Um... You know, I'll say it, Wesley Johnson. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I was going to guess Jordan Clarkson, I, but I was okay. good. I, I was good with him at first. Everything was great. I met him at, as a matter of fact, I met him at the Adidas Nations tournament. Uh, you know, I think twenty fourteen had you know had a great time. You know, interview, you know, you know media day, all of that. Um, I wrote some honesty, and he never talked to me the rest of the season. Even though I, <laughs> I was I was actively covering the team, but it is what it is. An- it, another it, funny story about not Jonathan, but the quarterback who told me he was feeling dangerous. Uh-huh. I remember I got to go on the sideline for that game, and it was halftime, and they were down a lot. And I remember, you know, I'm just like looking around. I'm just paying attention and I remember I saw him and like he, he was yawning and mm-hmm. I was like listen if you guys win it's gonna look great if you're losing this badly and you're yawning it's gonna look horrible <laughs> but that was again part of the lead so it just yes. that was that was a fun that was one of my more fun games to cover it's always good times always good times all right so let's wrap it up with this I, I don't know if you saw it you know I, I quote tweeted you know shout out to content NBA I quote tweeted them uh, because they were asking you know if the NBA starts on Christmas Day which the rumors are that it may uh, which Christmas matchups would you you know you as a fan like to see I quote tweeted I'm an unimaginative asshole so I went with <laughs> I went with the playoff matchups or for the most part I want Lakers heat I want that rematch uh, oh. I you know everybody healthy I want Celt I want Celtics Raptors I want Bucks Brooklyn. Um, I want Mavs Clippers, and I want Nuggets Jazz. And I got chastised for not saying, you know, not saying the Warriors. Eh, if I see him, I see him. <laughs> Let me get yours. So we get five games, right? So yeah. I'm not. This this isn't just like an order of preference. I don't care about the timings that much. Oh yeah, yeah. Who cares? First one, Lakers Warriors. The okay. old kings of the West, the new <laughs> kings of the West. I don't like. I don't think Steph and LeBron dislike each other. But I don't think they like each other, and I think I think that's a healthy. I want to see like I want that to be a playoff matchup this year because I Absolutely. think that would be like a, just a really good meshing of styles. You got Draymond going against AD or going <laughs> against LeBron, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, 
Steph is this is Steph's comeback year right like I'm expecting a big year from Steph this year so that's gonna be really interesting so that's my first matchup then like you said playoff matchup Clippers Nuggets the Nuggets Mm -hmm. made the Clippers they exposed every single crack of the foundation right Mm -hmm. now you got a new coach in there Montrezl Harrell might be gone he might come back because of the flat cap but the Nuggets embarrassed the Clippers how did the Clippers come back how does Paul George come back how does Kawhi come back and how did the Nuggets build off last season, right? You got Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic. How did they do? Now you got Will Barton back from an injury. How does he feel? How does he factor into the matchup? There's a lot of moving parts there. And I'm Michael really Porter curious Jr. to see how that. Yeah, Michael Porter Jr., how many shots does he want, right? Mm-hmm. Is he going to come out at halftime and get, go to Rachel Nichols and be like, hey, I need like 30 more shots. Come on, tell, tell Mike to give me 30 more shots. Hey, if he, if he backs it up like he did in that <laughs> one game, I'm okay with it. That's fair. And then uh, another one, Heat Bucks again. Okay. One team embarrassed another. The Bucks should have beat the Heat. Mm-hmm. They got embarrassed. They got played off the court. Giannis, maybe his last year in Milwaukee, maybe not. It looks like they're not going to trade him no matter what. I respect that. Go out there and win a title. You're going to have to beat the Heat to do it. Show that you can. Opening day, right? Mm-hmm. Now, these last two are the really interesting ones, I think. Just less playoff rematch or anything like that. Nets, Celtics. I think there's a couple of things here. First okay. off, you have <laughs> Kyrie going back up against his old team, right? Mm-hmm. There's pe- people in Boston, I think rightfully so, really hate Kyrie, right? And, <laughs> like, I don't blame him. Like, the guy kind of, like, checked out on them, right? So there's that, and I don't think he has a lot of positive feelings towards Boston, you got KD coming back. I want to see KD. What is he like? People are saying that after the Achilles, his floor is like Dirk, which I see. Tall guy, you can shoot over everyone, but can't really move. But what is he after the Achilles? That's interesting. And then the third thing that we've kind of all forget forgotten about, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown should be Nets players. If Billy Marks wasn't an idiot, you yeah. have them on the Nets. Oof. Oof. So yeah. dominoes, right? And then yeah. the last one I've got is, I think the NBA does need to do a better job of marketing the guys who are going to come after this generation. Mm-hmm. So after LeBron, Steph, KD are gone, who comes next? And I think the two guys, one guy, it's got to be Luka, right? Mm-hmm. That's the biggest one. And then Giannis, also you got him there. You got Tatum there. I think he's important. Murray, Jokic. So you've got all those guys. Another guy? So I want Mavs Suns because then you get Devin Booker. And this is a big year for the Suns because they got they kind of, you know, expectations are there after the bubble. They've got some talent. And I want to see what Devin Booker can do. I want to see if he can become, you know, someone who's outside of NBA hipster circles at this point, right? Because people who watch the NBA religiously know Devin, Devin Booker can hoop. Outside of that, he's not really a well-known name. So those are my five matchups. I love it. I love that last one in particular for two reasons. One, I'm all in on Devin Booker and the Suns this year making a playoff push. Two, it's going to piss Joss off royally that you even mentioned them in the the Christmas night. They're not the same caliber, to be clear. No, no, no. Hey, look, these aren't your fathers or, I guess, your cousin's sons. I actually actually think they can build upon it. So I'm I'm here for it. I hope so, yeah. Thank you so much for you know that those five dope minutes or five or so dope minutes. <laughs> I was gonna say we might have to re- rename this to fifteen dope minutes. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for the ten dope minutes, bro. No, all right. <laughs> so for the listeners out there, Josh and I will be back, you know, in our normal format this weekend. It'll either be up Sunday night or Monday as usual. Looking forward to it. Uh, so for but for Eric Pincus, once again of Bleacher Report and all of the other places, and definitely follow him and check him out. And for Varun, producer Varun is the best doing it. I definitely appreciate you taking the time to listen. 
Yeah, of course. You mind if I quickly plug a couple of things? Do it. All right, so my Twitter is at ByVarunShankar. I'll put it in the bio when I tweet this out. And then if any of you guys are Maryland football fans, you can find my new podcast, Hail Mary Lind. Uh, it is on the WMUC Sports podcast feed. You can find it on my Twitter. We're going to be doing two episodes a week, previewing, recapping the game, everything you're going to need to know about this team. So if you're a Terrapins football fan, please check it out.